I'm Matt Fisher. This is a podcast by two gentlemen, two dapper gents who <laughs> dated and are now no longer dating, and they talk about movies. That's right, governor. <laughs> Dappers can be. Top of the morning to ya, since I've got the red hair. That's so Irish. <laughs> Uh, do you, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, just hanging on. Fingernails <laughs> on the cliff. Yeah, it's been a, quite just, just a whirlwind week. Just a Indeed. whirl of wind. Yeah. I think with the way that we recorded these last two episodes, <laughs> there is so much time in between them. Yeah. <laughs> that... The White House administration gained and lost a communications director. I think in our last episode, he was not appointed yet. Yeah. And by the time we're recording this one, he's already gone. So that begs the question, who's going to play uh, the mooch in our... Uh, uh, our Trump's exploitation pick? Yeah. Well, I'm, I feel like there's got to be a bunch of type A... Frat boys, eager to play the role. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm sure if we just cruise up and down any Greek row on the New Jersey shoreline, <laughs> we will find some goomba. Which I'm allowed to say I'm Italian. <laughs> uh, willing to play that part before you start sending in your fucking hate mail. <laughs> um. Okay, great. So, yeah, we'll just send our casting director, Brenda, out there to brave the trenches of the New Jersey <laughs> frat rows. Yeah. Good luck, Brenda. So, I also, I saw that uh, the president tweeted, uh, it was like the next day or the day after, just generic tweet, great day at the White House. <laughs> Maybe the president is using the Twitter feed as his own sort of like daily affirmations, is, <laughs> where it's where it's not really meant for other people to see. But it's like uh, his meditation mantra, yeah. except he's doing it into like the biggest loudspeaker humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, every day it's just uh, something he's telling himself, and uh, well, because he he announced that transgender ban from the military, and there was a nine minute gap. Between, he's like, so I consulted with my army generals and dot, dot, dot. And then nine full minutes went by. And his, like, army intelligence officials didn't know what he was announcing. Right. <laughs> so they thought that he was going to announce an attack on North Korea. Oh, God. Nine minutes between tweets. Does it really take that long to wipe and flush? <laughs> Maybe he'd already typed out the second one, just forgot to hit send. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Finish this thought. I'm yeah. starting to get the hang of <laughs> controlling my outrage because it's, sure. it's, there's something else going on that they, he doesn't want me to be looking at when he does stuff like that. Yeah. Is, is more my thinking now. And this was the first time where I'm like, I'm not getting angry about this. <laughs> my theory was that you know, he's only really concerned with, like, appeasing a certain core group of voters. Mm -hmm. And he's been toying with this idea of firing Jeff Sessions. Right. So my idea is that he was like, well, if I fire Jeff Sessions, all these, you know, 
all, all my people mm-hmm. are gonna like be upset with me. But if I do this first, maybe I can do that afterwards. Yeah. And I don't think it worked, but no, it wasn't a big enough distraction. Yeah. People are people are getting wise to this snake oil salesman. Yeah. John Oliver this week is all about uh, what's his name, Alex Jones. Oh God. The the thesis of like of John Oliver's statement basically is this guy is uh, just trying to scare people into buying products. Like, mm-hmm. like it's almost like he doesn't even believe the shit he's saying. He's just trying to be as scary as possible to his listeners so that they'll buy a shit. It's fucked up because that's just predatory. Yeah. You know? Like, prey on people's fears so you can sell them shit. Fuck you, Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's uh, one of the oldest sales tactics in the book. Yeah, also my house is filthy and I need to buy a car for status purposes. Um, Also, the beer I'm drinking doesn't make me manly enough. That's why I drink (laughs) rosé. Cheers. I always uh, always laugh about that. I remember back when Titanic was released, Mm -hmm. uh, one of my... My grandfather's friend said that real men didn't see Titanic. <laughs> and I think about that now, I was like, wow, being a real man is just a thin, thin line. <laughs> like, if you see a movie, you're no, long, you're, you're no longer part of that club. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that is just <laughs> fragile. <laughs> also, Titanic has some pretty good parts to it. Yeah, it's not a bad movie by any means. Yeah. <laughs> So. You're missing out, Grandpa. <laughs> what are some? Uh, what are movies men should be seeing? Shane. Uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Okay. Patton. Pat- oh yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, other movies. Rocky. Paul Mart Wall Mallblart. <laughs> Shit. Paul Blart Mallblart. Paul Blart Mall Cop. There we go. I'm thinking of directing an art house version of that <laughs> called Through a Mall Blartly. <laughs> Let's green light this. <laughs> did you watch anything last week? I did watch something. I was feeling I was feeling kind of bummed last week at one point and just various reasons and I was like I just need some comfort and um after recording the Star Trek episode mm-hmm. uh Star Trek 6 I realized they're all available on Amazon right now so I'm going to watch Star Trek for the voyage home oh okay and uh so yeah I watched that and uh it is a delightful movie it is isn't it, it? Is a lot a lot of fun yeah I forgot about the crazy CGI sequence when they travel back in time. Oh, okay. Where it shows, like, the clouds forming into the faces of the crew. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten about that. That was kind of fun. And, uh... Was the plot any more, uh, believable watching this <laughs> No, I mean, it's like... I was able to suspend my disbelief for it this time. Okay. Uh, and I wasn't hating on the whales. I just, uh... It does. It still does seem a little silly to have aliens be like, "No, no, you guys, shut up! We're trying to talk to the whales." Like, what do you suppose uh, they talk about? Uh, How you been? Yeah. What did you watch last week? <laughs> How's the water? <laughs> oh yeah, our planet has water too. 
<laughs> Neat. Well, better get this probe out of here. It's killing your planet. Uh, glad to know you're back, and uh, we'll talk to you in like 500 years. Bye. That's what I imagine it's like. Good ref. <laughs> How about you? I've been going through the Rocky franchise. I've watched the first two so far. Okay. First one's okay. It's sort of fun to see, like, a training montage when, like, people didn't know how a training montage should look. Oh, yeah. And then when I watched the second one, I was like, this is just Rocky. They should call this, like, Rocky as well. Like, Rocky (laughs) T-O-O. Because it's, like, the same damn movie. (laughs) I like the training montage a little bit better than the second one. If for no other reason, then that's the one where he chases a chicken to, like, get his speed. I will say, in Rocky 1, there's a scene where Sylvester Stallone is, like, running to get into shape. Mm -hmm. And then he starts sprinting. And it really looks like he's sprinting. I was like, Sylvester Stallone actually had to, like, be in shape for this role. Like, it wasn't Mm. just bulk. He had to be athletic to do this. Because it's not like... I mean, maybe they did. Maybe he ran once and like, we got it, we're good. Let's go on to the next one. But he probably had to do that scene at least two or three times. Wow. Uh, is that the one where he ends up at the top of the stairs? It's part of that. Okay. There, There is one scene that's just like unbroken lateral tra- tracking shot of him like running down a Philadelphia street. Okay. Uh, I've never seen it, so. It's okay. The first one's like, it's got its moments, definitely. I just know that the year that that won Best Picture, it was up against, like, crazy good competition. Oh, was it? Yeah. Let's look it up, because I just remember it's, like, all four of the other movies are like, what the fuck? <laughs> all the President's Men, yeah. Network, and Taxi Driver. Holy shit, right? Uh, and Bound for Glory, which I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That's, uh... That's crazy competition to win out in. crazy competition. Yeah, All, all the President's, President's Men is a great movie. Network. Yeah, that's one that uh, Aaron Sorkin cites as like a big influence on him because mm-hmm. it was like the first movie that didn't wait for news to be history. Mm, yeah, uh, to become a movie. Yeah, seventy six is like right after. Yeah, so Nixon resigned. I think seventy three, seventy four. Okay, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so the movie was you know pretty close. Network is a classic. I mean, oh yeah, Network's great. It's in the AFI Top 100, though. Yeah. <laughs> but it's never so you'll never... again. <laughs> Remember here at Lips. <laughs> talk about this week is Tipping the Velvet, the 2002 BBC2 uh, three-part miniseries based on the novel by Sarah Waters. It is a Victorian England lesbian erotic coming of age romp? Question mark? (laughs) We're going to question mark on our our (laughs) scale here. So and it's a it's a coming of age star. We're following Nan King, Nancy King, so, around yeah. London, uh, as so she discovers I, her sexuality. I, I was I. <laughs> I thought they'd address 
the phrase tipping the velvet uh-huh. somewhere in this miniseries. I was unfamiliar with this term before the movie, and I was unfamiliar with it after the movie. <laughs> There's a throwaway line about it. Oh, is there? Yeah, it happens at the near the end, so I, I completely understand if your attention oh. <laughs> waned at that point. But yeah, there's two... They go to a lesbian bar at uh, when uh, Nan's dating Florence, and uh, they overhear two women talking about tipping the velvet, mm. and Florence says, what's that? And Nan uh, does the universal signal for cunnilingus with your tongue, and then points to down there. What is that universal symbol? <laughs> she didn't even put her fingers no, up to her she mouth? She just wiggles her tongue, and then, like, I think points to her... Uh, vagina. Mm. It's, uh, you know, they breeze over it. Um, yeah, it is a shame that we have this uh, <laughs> lesbian tour de force and we are both gold star gays. So I was, uh, yeah, it was really, so So Becca Johnson, who, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, was going to come along and kind of be our guide on this journey through, through this story. She's sick, so she was unable to, to come today. Um, and at first I was really worried, but I've decided to, uh, become inspired by Nancy King's, uh, spirit of adventure. And, uh, we're just, you and I are just going to travel this, uh, this road chain together and, uh, like, blind leading the blind. Like Nan's first dive into muff. Yeah. We, we dive into this subject matter head first. <laughs> So, deep end question number one. How do you clean a leather dildo? <laughs> they were enormous. <laughs> I I only have ever... What's that horrible old joke that no dildo's too big if you're brave enough? Oh my gosh. This, the dildos in this, I feel, were really pushing that theory. They were, yeah, they were large and leather bound. So, alright... We can't not talk about the oysters, which of course reminds nobody of anything. <laughs> but open an oyster, and it's like a secret world in there. And that's how it was with me. Yeah, the symbolism of her being an oyster shucker <laughs> is not lost on me. I mean, I don't know how it could be lost on anyone. They, if this was like 3D television, you'd smell the herring coming at you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oysters, perhaps the most yonic of animals. Nan King works in an oyster house, and she smells like salt water, Mm -hmm. which her first love, Kitty Butler, Butler. uh, says that she smells like a mermaid. Yeah, it's it's actually a sweet moment, because we think that, uh, because Nan is suddenly very, uh, self-conscious about the way she f- she f- smells but kitty assures her that no i'm into this you smell like i know like a herring <laughs> not a bit like a herring like a mermaid it's uh how many yeah. fish jokes can we make <laughs> before it's inappropriate I, I don't have that in my notes see this is something i was hoping um becca could help us with <laughs> Um, I, so yeah, so, so it was the premise, basically, she's an oyster shucker and in Whitstable, which is, who knows, somewhere in England, uh, if you're from there, you probably know, but, uh, she, 
sees in town this male impersonator named yeah. Kitty Butler who performs uh, an act where she tosses a rose at the end to a woman in the audience, uh, whoever her favorite is. And I gotta say, she really launches that rose because um, that first time she throws it, it goes into the balcony. Yeah, I was gonna say, she's not like thrown into like the first row. Yeah. It's to the nosebleed. Yeah. Like... Or maybe it's a super small theater. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so Nan becomes infatuated, and um, she doesn't, she can't really explain why, but she's just like, man, I like this lady. Yes, so she starts frequenting the, the venue and leaves right after Kitty Butler's number. This is much how I imagine I would be if uh, Chris O'Donnell, say, was uh, performing at a theater when I was 15. He's, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah, he just I seems really he, yeah. cool. <laughs> Opinion for a moment. I don't think Kitty Butler nailed her tune. She said goodbye with a tear and a sigh, and whispered all the pretty things that sweethearts say. I don't think she nailed her look. (laughs) She was kind of flat. I don't know. Not, not the strongest male impersonator? So, I don't know how you feel, but every now and again, I'll be like, oh, who's that cute little twink? Oh, it's a lesbian. <laughs> I get that. I, that has happened a lot, yeah. Uh, Soft butch. It fakes me out every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> and so I was kind of hoping Kitty Butler would be in the soft butch category, but <laughs> no, it just kind of looked like a girl in a suit. Yeah. It sort of... It didn't really create the illusion of eroticism and wonder, I think, that the uh, (laughs) story was going for here. That Nan would be entranced by? Yeah, because it just seemed like, yeah, you throw top hat and spats on a chick and suddenly sploosh from her (laughs) vajay. Remember when Nan masturbated in the bed next to her sister? She did? I don't remember that. Yeah, they... I, I, I need to specify this. Not the bed next to her sister. In the same bed while lying next to her. They, they don't, like, show her, like, getting off. But there's, like, a scene where she's like, you know, Kitty Butler haunted my thoughts at night. And then, like, it shows her, like, very obviously oh, like, hand down the sheets. And then, like, she closes her eyes. And Kitty Butler is dancing through her head. And then, like, her sister, like, rolls over and, like puts her oh, hand right. on okay. her. She's like, get off me. <laughs> You're ruining my moment. <laughs> you know, the only thing I know about female masturbation is what I've seen in Black Swan, but... Oh, I <laughs> thought you were going to say Mulholland Drive. <laughs> that too. Uh, so there's always a lot of crying involved. Uh, but I always kind of envisioned it. It's not just a lady laying there looking up blankly like... <laughs> you know, flicking the old bean. I I thought there was a little bit more involved in it. Yeah, I, uh... Boy, I don't know if I can masturbate next to someone. <laughs> well, definitely not a relative. Yeah. That's, I mean, maybe this is character development for Nan. Maybe, maybe this is like, that, she's the type of woman that would. That her sexuality was just blossoming at an unheard of rate. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that she just... Had to rub one out next to Decades of repressed lesbianism were spilling forth in yeah. one passionate night by herself. She never seems to uh, to question the fact that she likes... Yeah, there's no... Uh, 
There's no Kitty. real internal struggle. I, I like feel. that, actually. That was something I liked about it this time around, was like, she's just, she's cool with it. She's like, I like this girl, what's wrong with that? Because she's, she's not into Benedict Cumberbatch. No. And she did, she was sort of like, I wonder why. And then she's like, oh, because I like girls when she sees Kitty. Yeah. And that's like, that makes sense. Yeah. Although who's not into Benedict, although I don't know, he's kind of back and forth for me. No, he's all forth <laughs> or but, back or what, whatever is not into whatever it. is no by the way I, I I asked Becca if she wanted me to relay any any thoughts she had and she wanted me to mention that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch can't say penguins penguins <laughs> and if you just search Benedict Cumberbatch it's like the fifth predictive result that comes <laughs> up as Benedict Cumberbatch penguins penguins well you look it up it's funny <laughs> so Eventually, Kitty says, hey, I want you to be my dresser because I'm moving to London and you should come with me and I like you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the the first part, so this is a three-part miniseries. Each, each part is an hour or yeah. so. The first part really reminded me of Carol in its sort of the trajectory mm. of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the, you know, sort of, I mean, they never explicitly say it, but it's more experienced, we'll say. Kitty Butler. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Is she or is she? I don't know. We never really... I mean, I get the, I, I get the idea that she already knows a thing I do two. too, but I don't know if it's explicit. Uh, I mean, that's just the impression I got. The, there's no hint of uh, naivete with Kitty Butler. Yeah. Like, she, she seems, seems to know what she's doing she's a little bit. She's a seductress, you know, <clears throat> invites Nan backstage and it reminded me of the... Uh, clandestine glove lunch from Indeed. Carol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and just, yeah, the sort of dynamic of, you know, the the less experienced, you know, awakening young girl uh, versus the more experienced one. Right. Uh, and their flat-footed dance <laughs> in, in this particular instance. Uh, they, uh, yeah, and so eventually start doing an act together. Yes. Because uh, Nan dresses up right. as, as, a, as a boy one time, and uh, Kitty walks in on her and is like, Hey, yeah, you look great. Yes. Let's do this together. Neither one of them can hold a pitch, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. I did like that they kept the rehearsal process and the performance montage uh, together on the okay. show like I always appreciate the economy of storytelling on that because I don't need to see like a director being like again one <laughs> two three I don't need to see that scene ever again you know we've seen it a hundred times so just make a montage of it happening all at once thank you director whoever your name is I didn't write it down I meant to ask you this earlier do you like oysters? um yeah uh I've actually shucked an oyster or two in my day yeah uh straight out of the ground wow dug them up Plopped it open. <laughs> Made that noise and everything. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty brave choice, the first person who ate an oyster. Well. well they probably saw like other animals doing it, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to give that a shot. Buy it while we drink milk. Yeah. Well, that cow's doing it. Why can't I? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand on this, and whatever comes out, I'm going to drink it. <laughs> Or, like, cheese or yogurt. Oh, yeah. Sick. Well, fermenting things, like, that's been around for God knows how long. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, fermenting it and eating it, well, that's how you get beer. 
Yeah, that's true. And wine and all the good stuff in life is fermented. That's true. They're just like, it's not bad. It's yeah. better. <laughs> it's like the first time someone mix, mi- mixed chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, fuck. Wait yeah, a minute. <laughs> uh, anyway, somehow they fall in love. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, my notes go, like, straight from, like, them hanging out to them Benny Hilling the sex scenes. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's like one of them is clearly going down on the other, but like it's rapid motion, and the whole miniseries has kind of goofy music to it. Yeah, the music is so bad with like Glockenspiels and things like that, <laughs> and like weird sort of uh, Suzanne Chiani synths going on underneath. Yeah. and so. I don't know, you just have this, like, sped-up scene of them having sex, and as much as I'm bad-mouthing this, I I can see why it made a compelling novel. Yeah. Because really one of the problems is, like, they're just burning through the story. (laughs) Like, they are giving you no time to sit with an emotion. Uh Uh-huh. It's... You know, Nan sees Kitty Butler and is immediately in love. Like, there's no... Period in which we're just, you know, uh, uh, resting with the allure or the, the deep-seated right. eroticism that she's feeling. It's just bam, bam, bam. Right. It all happens, yeah, it all happens very fast. So, like, they ha- oh, I remember now. They have, a, they have a successful show, the two of them as male impersonators, and they have been, like, share a kiss on stage and da-da-da. Then um, they're celebrating one night, and some dude wants to dance with Nancy, and they're waltzing, and... Uh, Kitty gets upset, and Nan chases after her, and then they, they're in a carriage ride, and, and they start kind of fighting about, and like, just emotions are running high, and uh, Kitty says, I hate the way you make me feel. Which is the new, uh, I can't quit you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then they start making out and having sexy lezzy time, and then they're like in love. Um End of chapter one. Yeah, basically. Well, but then she goes back home to Wistable, but she brings Kitty with her. Yeah. And, uh... It's like her special friend. Yeah. And, like, the family is great with it, except for her sister, who's like, I know what's going on, and it's gross. <laughs> She's like... But she's you still need to get <laughs> back here and sell these oysters! <laughs> you can't be gallivanting about! <laughs> That's a quote from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she still lets her sister sleep with her in the bed, even though she's like, don't touch me. Like, that's more acceptance than I think we could expect from an American family. I feel like the way that society views homosexuality kind of varies between, like, you know, moderate acceptance. Like, you know, everyone always points to, like, the you know, the Roman Empire and how... Uh-huh. Uh, between the soldiers, it was like a sign of camaraderie and brotherhood and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was encouraged in those circumstances because, you know, you're not going to let your brother die in war. Right. Uh, and, you know, then we get like, you know, 1950s America where it's, you know, if you're caught doing it, then the vice squad will get you and throw you in jail. Right. Uh, and I think this is just sort of that middle period where it was like acknowledged that it's real and, like, we don't talk about it, but mm. everyone knows that it happens. Mm. Uh, yeah. But, but when confronted with it, people aren't, like... Yeah, people aren't out and repulsed. proud about it. They're just, they're just like, 
I don't like what you're doing. Yeah. And then they're just like, it's okay. Like, that's the end of it, basically. It's like, I'd, ra- like, I'd rather not talk about it. Yeah. They, but they're, they're not like, I'm never gonna... I'm, gonna, I'm casting you out of my life. Yeah, there, there wasn't the uh, religious indignation <laughs> associated with it. Nobody said, like, what you're doing is an affront to God. I'm so glad that's not anywhere in this movie. Yeah, there's no Actually, hint of It's re- really refreshing, you know, to not have that fucking, like, what you're doing is against God's wishes. Like, it's just nowhere to be found in this. And it's really nice, actually. It's not necessarily realistic, but yeah. um, I like it. <laughs> anyway, she leaves early from her trip to Wistable and then finds that Kitty has been sleeping with their ma- her manager. And then that's the end of Act 1. And it plays the stupidest music. Oh, some they like it this way and some they like it that. The lady dips a curtsy and the gentleman tips his hat. And some they like a bigger fat and others neat and small, but whatever you say, it's only human nature after all. <laughs> wow, that really undercuts the dramatic tension of that moment. Like, I'm immediately taken out of that, you know? I will say, despite the film's shortcomings, when it is revealed that uh, Kitty's sleeping with the manager. Like, the little gay virgin in me kind of cried a little bit. Yeah. Like, I, I felt that heartbreak. Like, you know, uh, most gay people, I, I mean, I, I don't know personally, but I know that I felt like, you know, when you're gay, you feel isolated and alone, like, growing up, and, you you know, that first person that, like, yeah. you have sex with and, like, come out to and, like... You know, you're own, you're in your own little world, like, for a little while. Yeah. Because uh, you just, you know, you never thought you'd find that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, and when it's shattered, which it shatters for all of us at one point or another. Yeah. Uh, when that shatters, you know, it's heartbreaking that first time. I gotta say, there's one thing, I mean, there's a, a few things I do like about this, watching it the second time through, I'm shocked to say. <laughs> but, um... The one thing that this movie really does get right is that feeling of having a secret first mm-hmm. homosexual relationship. Like, mm-hmm. we, as as gays, go through different rites of passage, I think, than straight people. Um, and that first relationship is different, I think. I think it is yeah. a different situation than with straight people. I really do. Yeah. And um, watching this movie gave me that feeling again of my mm. first like gay relation kind of having yeah. a secret a little bit it just kind of yeah it gave me those feelings again which was like exciting but also kind of sad and like i don't know it's a real complex emotion to think about for yeah me. i i know what you mean though because yeah it, even even in an accepting place it can be hard to come out yeah uh and so like that first one it's like a just having a secret sort of exciting yeah but it, you know, the excitement comes from that it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want the secret to come out, but at the same time, like, when you're having this, like, you know, your you first so romance. <laughs> yeah, it's this love, and you just want to shout it out. Yeah. And, but no, you can't, you gotta keep it quiet. So yeah, it's, it's conflicting. Yeah, it's a, it's a complex emotion that I think they do really well in this. And yeah, and it's one of the reasons I feel like the book would have captured it really well. Right. Because you would have spent more time with Nan, you would have gotten more of her inner dialogue, you would have really just gotten more of her perspective on the whole thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent, the film sort of succeeds in that manner. And then the heartbreak she, she experiences. The beginning, the first scene of Act 2 is really great. Like, I f- 
felt like her acting was good. It felt really sad. It's 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 really emotional. The first five minutes. Katie and I are going to be married, Nan. I'm sure in time you'll come to see it's for the best. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> and I also like in that scene when it's like Nan starts like fighting back and you're like, didn't she tell you that we fuck each other? I don't care to use such language, Nan. And if I did, I wouldn't use that word for anything a pair of girls can do. You need a man for that, I think you'll find. Which I'm sure lesbians love to hear. Yeah. But I really think this movie kind of takes a turn for the worse at this point. Because <laughs> uh, Nan leaves and takes just her stuff and then just finds a room where she wallows for like two months. Mm-hmm. And it's the least interesting montage of somebody losing their mind I think I've ever seen. Uh, there's like cuts of her just pacing and wasting away. Which I'm sure in the book was like thoughts running through her head yeah. or just the feelings of her, you know, no longer feeling like she has a point in life. Right. Or that, you know, the, the, passion in her life has been swept out from under her but it's not conveyed super cinematically no it's not no and then it goes in she she decides one day to just go out dressed as a boy because she still has her boy clothes from the performance thing and she finds she kind of likes that which is cool you know drag saves the day again uh but then gets gets propositioned by an old man. She accepts the proposition. There's the worst blowjob scene I've ever seen on film. Like, Are you saying that the dick cam wasn't uh, convincing? Like the camera from like behind the, the zipper? I don't know what the fuck this director was thinking. Because it's just like the, this man who's like, hoo, 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 Like his eyes are crossing. They may as well just like... They may as well just be... Ooh. Wow, wow, wow. Like, Steam actually came out of his ears at one point. His top hat flew up in the air. It was... It's just insane. It's, it's ridiculous. Also, so, all right, we're, we're gold star gays. If we went down on women, I would I, I would say the odds were, would be against us. To, for for us to like <laughs> cause that reaction yeah. in someone else, and I the just, first time, like this is Nan's first time with male genitals, <laughs> and I know that altogether male genitals are slightly less complicated. Like you can kind of see where everything is, <laughs> but you still kind of got to know what you're doing. I but to to knock it out of the park first try, <laughs> she blows his mind. <laughs> Like, this man's, keep the change. (laughs) (laughs) And she's also so unperturbed by it. Like, I just got a bunch of spunk in my mouth. Let me uh, wipe my chin dry here. She's she's immediately like, I think I can do this. (laughs) That wasn't so bad. So she becomes a gay male (laughs) sex worker. That's her job for a while. She poses as boys, like young men. Uh, you know, the, her big 
costume is the soldier costume. <laughs> That's what gets her the most business. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, it just gets so ludicrous from here. This the second act of this is just awful. But I mean she she is swallowing load after load. And never once And she never once gets an STD. Oh. There's no penicillin shot. Well, I don't know what you would do back then if they I don't even think they had penicillin, but yeah. No negative repercussions. From her hand out, uh, beads and seems like male prostitute was a lucrative business <laughs> no, in England. God, jeez, seems pretty easy too. Oi, this <laughs> shrimp eats shucking oysters. <laughs> <laughs> One shilling for a rub. <laughs> Take a turn from there. Yeah, well, I, we can't skip my favorite scene, though. Oh, boy. So we get the montage of her blowing dude after dude. <laughs> and it cuts to a scene of someone feeding a horse a carrot. <laughs> As if, as if they were being subtle about what was going on. You mean the camera inside the pants? Her looking as she pulls open the zippers. Wasn't uh, enough. Here you go, secretariat. <laughs> A 13-inch carrot. Oh, my God. So, what I do like about that part... Is that I'm I'm a firm believer that <sighs> women have more fluid sexuality than men. Sure, I, I know it's anecdotal, but and I hate anecdotal evidence, but it does seem that you know the lesbians that I know, either from popular culture or real life, can sort of go back and forth more easily than guys can. Yeah, I like that she just tries she moves through the world differently as a man you know men move through the world mm, differently mm-hmm. right I guess is, is my point I, and I, so... yeah that was a good point too is that she said that she was walking through the streets of London and even though she was alone like she kept being bothered right that... but then when she was a man it was like it was fine yeah she got you know propositioned by a prostitute as she was dressing as a man but other than that everyone just let her be you know go to her own business right uh, and so she's using that to empower herself. Basically. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, basically. Which is, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but then things... Oh, jeez. So she's gets propositioned by somebody, uh, and uh, it almost turns into a buggering. <laughs> almost, yeah. But she gets... She's being watched during this exchange, and she thinks it's the police, but it turns turns out to be a rich... 
dominatrix, basically, who's been watching her for a while now. So now we're entering sort of the Duke of Burgundy uh, chapter of the the miniseries. But this is also the chapter that introduces us to the gigantic dildos. <laughs> Just... And immediately, I mean, the, her name's Diana Leatherby. Leatherby. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's just a rich, sapphic woman who's uh, gonna, you know, take on a young woman to dress as a boy and be her sex slave, basically? Yeah. I don't exactly know what the term would be. I, I think it would be the lesbian equivalent of a rent boy. I've never heard of a rent girl, Yeah. but there it is. There and it also introduces us to an entire subculture of this. There's lots of older lesbian women with um, younger lesbians. They're kept women uh, dressed as uh, young boys. Yeah. There's, this is a subculture, apparently, in Victorian England. And they have... In this world. The gayest parties. <laughs> These sort of masquerade balls. Um... Where really they just kind of get together and henpeck each other to death. <laughs> yeah, it's not really what I would call a bacchanalia. <laughs> they all get together and just like tempers flare up and everyone gets really catty and gossipy, but it like is destructive. Yeah. Like, they don't actually seem to be enjoying themselves. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing is, is that like it like feeds on itself, right? So yeah. it's like Nan ends up with this woman for two years. And uh, when she finally breaks up, like, she says, I thought I was the love of your life. But she says that in front of all the other lesbians and they start giggling and be like, flowers and chocolates. <laughs> it's like, God, you're all cynical. <laughs> the, the, that, bit, that was like a Halloween party because everyone was like, mm-hmm. dressed up in costumes. So I was like, is this what the orgy scene in Eyes Wide Shut would look like if it was, you know, bankrolled by lesbians? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, like, this weird, there's this weird thing where she, like, Diana will just, like, present Nan. Ladies, tonight we give you hermaphrodite. All the lesbians like, oh, oh, wow. It's like, I don't get it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. Like, I feel like in Seattle, we... I'll walk into barber shops where people will be doing, like, pup play and stuff, <laughs> and I found this weird. Yeah. It's, like, it's the it's the hardest part of this movie to get through. It's just, like, my suspension of disbelief is, is stretched to a breaking point. Like, I just can't get past the idea that there's this weird lesbian subculture in Victorian England where they have, like subs dressed as boys that they walk around with and have these stupid parties and I just did you ever see can't get by it the Black Dahlia murder like as a witness (laughs) I wasn't alive (laughs) the the film no I didn't Uh, there is a scene where they go to like a lesbian bar I don't remember why but they do Mm -hmm. and it's this big like alcohol-fueled orgy is like what it turns into and they actually have like Katie Lang singing a song in the background. Wow. <laughs> Just in case you <laughs> didn't know what was going on with all the women making out. Uh, but part of me kind of thinks that maybe maybe every big city had like one bar that had 
this lesbian subculture. Wait a minute. There's something bothering me about this place. I know! This lesbian bar doesn't have a fire exit! Enjoy your death trap, ladies! What was her problem? So, yeah, anyway, she doesn't really like Diana, but, like, the sex is amazing. Eventually, she can't take it anymore. She's like, what am I doing? This sucks. And mouths off to Diana. Then Diana hits her with a pitcher. Yeah. And sends her to her room. Yeah. With the servant girl, and they end up getting drunk and making out. And, Who thought, and fucking, actually, now that I think about it. Who thought that was a punishment? Yeah. <laughs> Go to your room with this attractive young lass, you <laughs> lesbian. And don't open the chest with the dildo, even though there's a key right there. By the way, I guess this is a good point to just, like, point out that this is... The sex scenes in this are pretty explicit. In that, like, she puts on a dildo, and then, like, somebody's definitely sitting on a dildo. And then, like, when earlier when, like, Nan and Katie are getting on, she's, like, definitely going down on her. And then kisses her afterwards. Like, there's just, like... It's pretty explicit. And I think you even see boobs, too. But anyway, so she gets kicked out on the streets. And um, that's basically... Oh, that's the when, when she gets caught. That's the end of Act 2. Yeah. Making out with Servant Girl. It's only human nature after all. Oh, Sunday like Chapter 3 is Sunday probably the one where Sunday I have the like toughest time paying attention. If... My, I, I broke it out. I watched it one hour at a time. Me too. But even by the time I got to chapter three, I was having trouble really paying attention the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I would say that chapter three is probably the most Dickensian uh, of the chapters. Like, suddenly, yeah. like, everyone was just, like, a British stereotype to me. I mean, it's your typical rags to riches to rags to riches to rags story. And uh, on the rags to riches, it's in the rags section at the beginning of Act Three. She loses all her stuff. She's a beggar now, Uh, wandering the streets of London town, much like we are (laughs) at the moment. If if London, yeah, (laughs) much like she was to London, we are through lesbian culture. Ah, just. Grasping at any straws we can. Like her with old man penises. <laughs> I know, she she doesn't do that at all in Chapter 3. She's given up her, her yeah, prostitution she, ways. Yeah, I wonder what... I guess because... Oh, because she can't be a boy. Because she only has, like, that gown. Oh, right. She doesn't have any clo- those because, clothes. Yeah, what's her name? Stole her clothes. Although that... Why didn't she just steal some boys' clothes and just do her thing again? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, she doesn't, and the only person she can think to visit is Florence, who we didn't talk about earlier. She gets introduced in um, uh, episode two, where she's just like the nice girl across the street. They had one date that Nan ghosted her on, but um, she goes to this girl's house because she's the only person that she can think of, and um, she Uh, lets her stay the night, one night. Yes. And then Nan, a la um, Annette Bening in... uh, American Beauty says, I will live in this house. I knew what I should do. I would make myself indispensable. Uh, Makes herself the maid. Yes. Slash nanny. So she's living with, with, with Aunt Flo, and 
She's married and has a baby, so she... Or so we think. So she sort of positions herself as being the nanny housekeeper. Right. Uh, she'll watch the kid while parents are out making an honest living. She'll clean and cook. She'll make her beef and oyster stew. <laughs> beef and oyster pie for me. Oh my gosh, she makes the best oysters there are. <laughs> Let's keep her around, hun. Your accent's going Australian. <laughs> yeah. Crikey! <laughs> From the penal colony. <laughs> the penal asteroid that is Australia. Yeah. <laughs> penal Australia. <laughs> <laughs> This is what this podcast is going to. Oh, God. Period jokes and dirty puns. <laughs> Thankfully, no one is listening anymore, so we can say whatever we want. <laughs> if only we'd had a moral compass to guide <laughs> us on this episode. Becca, where are you? <sighs> Someone to put us in our place, at least. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we learn that Aunt Flo is, turns out, not married. That's her brother. And that the baby is the baby of a woman who used to live with them that Flo was in love with and who died during childbirth. Yeah. Um, we also get introduced to uh, maybe my favorite character from this movie, um, Annie Price. I'm Annie. Annie Price. Sanitary inspector. Oh. Lesbian. Redhead. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't she only in the movie for like two minutes? I don't know what, I want to know her story. I, I, for some reason, when she came in and she's like, I love sewer work. I'm yeah. like, tell me more. Like, <laughs> is she a more fleshed out character in the book or what? Like, yeah, because like she, she comes in clearly like blue collar. She's got her overalls and whatnot. And... Yeah, she mentions how, yeah, she worked for, like, the city sanitation department, and it's definitely inferred that, like, she shovels shit for a living. <laughs> it's the stinkiest job in London, and I love it. Anyway, we find out later that Annie Price is a lesbian because at the lesbian bar that they go to, mm -hmm. um, she's there, hanging out. Um, also, Florence happens to be a lesbian. Yeah, but yeah. is still sort of half-repressing it. Yeah, she's she's upset about the girl who died during childbirth because she was in love with her yeah and uh, that's actually kind of an interesting thing because you know at first when, once nancy admits that she loves her florence is like oh but i love this one girl and i could never love again kind of thing it's sort of like a the worm has turned on nancy because you know nancy's been like no one will ever be like kitty you know <laughs> yeah oh well, i took it to to be like they're on different pages like mm. nan is already gone so far in like the lesbian journey mm -hmm. and Florence is still sort of working through it okay and it's like even though I I actually thought that it, it, it was good because uh like a a telling point in the character development that Nan was now able to to see a lesbian even though she was attracted to another lesbian yeah she knew that they were emotionally not compatible for one another right um which you know as we get older, we we kind of all are like we might be aesthetically attracted to someone, but are repulsed 
<laughs> by their obsession with Rihanna videos. <laughs> that shows uh, that Nan has grown. Yeah. Uh, and I think, once again, I think the book might have portrayed that a little better. Yeah. But that's the inference that I got out of it is that, you know, while she liked Flo, she knew that it wasn't going to be anything last year and knew that it wasn't going to work or that this wasn't the time for them. And then Flo has a has an evening where she's thinking about shit and then she's like, you know, let's give it a go. Mm-hmm. And um, they do. <laughs> and it's great. So why does Nan move back home? I think I missed that part. Uh, I, I don't think she does. Oh, I thought... Because they show her like going back home... Yeah, well, there's the whole, real fast, there's the whole thing where, like, Kitty comes back and it's like, Yeah. I want to be with you. And and Nan's like, Which, which yeah. I Nan, don't want to be your secret lover anymore. Yeah, which I was like, bravo, Nan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's like a If tense, they ended up together, I would have been really upset yeah. with how this movie ended. There's a quote-unquote tense moment at the end with, like, Nan performing and who's she going to toss the rose to? Is she going to toss it yeah. to Nan or Flo? And it's like, she's going to toss it to Flo. And she does. Um, but then, yeah, the very last scene is... Uh, Florence and Nancy, uh, I mean, we may as well just call him Flo Nan at this point, um, back in Whitstable mm-hmm. and saying like, well, ready to meet the family? She's like, I guess so. <laughs> and then they go. And it's just sort of like, I think it's, you know, a nice like, I don't, you know, we're going to meet them. If they don't like you, I don't care. I still love you. You're my, you're my girl. Which is nice. But it's a happy ending. It's only human nature after all. I think she went back to oyster shucking for a living. <laughs> Oysters for sale! Oysters and dildos! Get them while they're juicy! <laughs> you stop, you over there! You look like you could use a good shucking! <laughs> Can I interest you in the 40 inch dildo? <laughs> you look like a man who needs help satisfying his wife! <laughs> Oh, watch out! That one's got a bit of sand on it! <laughs> These ones here, they'll really get your wife going in the sack. But if you want to see where I've got them back, you'll have to pay a bit extra. <laughs> Cut to her putting on a soldier's hat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... All in all kind of weird movie yeah i can see the appeal in novel form yeah and i i don't want to place like the blame on like the director or anything like that it really just seems like they had a full robust story that they like accordion squished yeah into a three-hour miniseries yeah and uh i like i mean i like i really like that it you know it's uh, she's exploring various parts of herself very like openly and mm-hmm. acceptingly that's great it's so nice to see a gay character not have torment in that way yeah um it's, that's really refreshing i i like like and i said earlier there's no religious part to it i'm sure that there are a lot of women out there who identify as lesbians who can see themselves you know as oh, men as, yeah in, in at least different parts like maybe not like start to finish but like you know when nan's being the male prostitute i'm sure there are plenty of lesbians out there who had sex with men just because, like, it didn't completely repulse them, and it was easy, and they could, you know, <clears throat> right. do it. Right, and it's expected. Yeah, yeah. So, 
you know, or and then, you know, the little gay virgin love bubble that she's in in the beginning. Like, you know, even you and I relate to that one. Totally. Yeah. I know it's like, it's it's a fantasy, basically. It's a gay kind of fantasy. But, n- like, nobody dies, which is always a plus. Um, and, like, just, it's it's about, it's about self-discovery. And mm-hmm. um, I like that she... I like those those aspects of it. I don't think it comes across in this movie. Like the movie is is clearly a tragedy. <laughs> so I've I've had this theory for a long time that if you're if you're really doing something that's unique, it's really a tightrope walk, mm-hmm. and that usually you're either going between like being, you know, silly. Or, I mean, maybe not silly, but stupid, mm-hmm. or being boring. Mm-hmm. And this and like if you're doing something that's really unique it's entertaining and novel and i think this just fell into like the silly stupid camp a little too much like it couldn't quite walk that tightrope yeah yeah you being game for uh going along with me on this journey what do you want to retaliate with so i after watching this three hour epic i kind of want to watch something that defines maybe like popcorn movie oh okay. like something that's just straight up entertainment just like good old-fashioned like sit watch a movie and not have to really deconstruct it to enjoy it. Do backflips to uh, justify it. <laughs> uh, I want to watch Danny Boyle's Sunshine. I've never seen it. It is a fine, fine film that is ruined by its ending, and you'll get to it. Um, but the you know preceding 110 minutes are very good. Okay. Uh, anything else I should know about it? When's it from? It was, I mean, it was, I'm going to say within a couple of years of 28 Days Later. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Danny Boyle, Sunshine. Should we plug our junk? Let's shout. <laughs> Find us on Twitter. <laughs> At X-Rated Movies. Oi, we've got an email account. X.Rated.Movies at gmail.com. Give us the old like on Facebook. If it tickles your fancy, give us a few stars on the iTunes website, as well as a review, governor. And if you have a sovereign to spare, we have a Patreon, one for a rub, two for a blow. No buggering. Do we leave anything out? <laughs> no, I just, I just want to leave. Where's the, where's the vaudeville hook? <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you're, if there is anybody listening at this point, uh, we'll see you next week with sunshine. Nice. Until then, it's only human nature after all. <laughs> <laughs>